Hello, Disc Golf fans, and welcome back to Running It with Nate Sexton. I'm your co-host, Jared Orr, and he is now the number seventh highest-ranked player in the world, and our host, Mr. Nate Sexton. Nate, how are you, man? Did I go up in ranking or something? It sounds like maybe I climbed a spot. Sweet. You, you, I like you did, that. You did. Well, if you want to get honest, you're, you're technically six, but there's now a tie at the top. Ricky and Paul are tied. Oh uh, yeah, at number one. So so technically that puts you at seven, but but realistically six in the in the slots if you count them both as tied for one. Kind of that cool. sounds just fine. But yeah, man, I'm doing great. I hope you're doing well too. We had a great sunny day here in the Pacific Northwest. I got a brand new exercise bike, so you know I'm turning over a new leaf. Everything's good. I already told you you don't need that exercise bike. Your legs are already so big. I, you watch you on TV. I your calves are the thing that always stick out to me. Well, you know, just working on a strength, I guess. I hear you. Well, Nate, on episode one, that was kind of the big debut. And episode two, we kind of had some big fun. But on episode three, I think that means it's time to go big sexy. I do too. And I'm really excited about this. I mean, who else could we go to for our first guest other than my partner in crime, my bigger half, the 2016 United States champion, Jeremy Colin. Jeremy, how you doing, man? <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing well. I'm I'm trying I've been trying to hold back laughter this whole time here and Nate's ranking just staying at home all year long has somehow gone up. That just is uh that's just like the PDJ ranking system. Somehow <laughs> the least you the less you play, the better you are, according to the PDGA. We're just but, talking uh, player ratings here. Is all <laughs> we're just going off player ratings. But oh, yeah, man, this is I mean, this isn't rankings. Oh, no, we're not ratings. dealing with rankings. We're just playing. Well, ratings. we already knew that the best way to get your player rating up is to not play. So there you go. You figured it out. I finally figured it out. <laughs> Listen, Jim, um, we don't we don't make the rules. We just spread them around, man. <laughs> <laughs> I played I played as many I played as many tournaments this year almost as I did in 2020 or in 2019. Uh and and my and obviously my ranking stayed exactly the same. Like I've been in the, <laughs> somewhere in the middle of the ten twenties for like the last I think since I started playing disc golf. <laughs> like that's not the bad. whole time. No, it's not bad, but it's like it's less good now than it was like four years ago. Yeah, you're right about that. They're they're, they're coming up. the 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 water's rising all around you. Ten twenty is the new ten, like ten oh seven. I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> i'm doing well man I'm, I'm i'm excited uh just came off of a, a really big win for me and uh in the myrtle beach this weekend and feeling good about that and playing more disc golf the plan is to play more disc golf this off season so i, I don't know i feel good i feel I feel ready for christmas and i'm ready to, to be on this show man this is exciting nate's finally got a podcast yeah man i'm glad to have you this is great this is great long time coming I think everybody's been been waiting for this, and uh, you know, here we are with our first guest to have you guys together. Uh, it's certainly something that I am I'm happy to be a part of. Um, I think everybody knows that you guys are regarded as you know the ultimate power couple on the mic in disc golf, <laughs> and uh, and I, I'm just I'm just honored to be able to sit here and kind of be a fly in the wall to as you guys do what you do. Yeah, it's been a you know it's been a kind of a crazy journey and obviously you know covid things get weird for everybody but but definitely you know thanks to Jomez pro and thanks to germ and i both being willing to uh take the time out of our day to to start that commentary thing which like wasn't really a big deal back at the beginning it was kind of more just like a yeah. curiosity to see if we wanted to try it 
but yeah, it's definitely led to a lot of fun and, and being able to, you know, kind of grow the big sexy brand and, and, you know, have no shortage of, of jokes that we've had about that and, and all the travels we've shared, you know, it's definitely been a, a great ride. It's hard to imagine. It started off as something so casual. Like you said, it was just, it definitely testing the waters. I always felt like maybe one day when I was a kid that I would like to do commentary, but do sports broadcasting of some type, but I never, I never really saw that as being like something that would really find a niche in, in disc golf, like post-produced content was a thing, but it wasn't really like a, a big thing. And so, you know, when we were dabbling into doing commentary, it was, it was a lot of fun. Obviously we, we had a great time, but, um, as a brand grower, as like a, a power industry in the sport, definitely didn't have that kind of foresight and what it's turned into is, has just been so instrumental in my career and, and what I think of disc golf and my future of disc golf. So, um, having someone as talented and naturally gifted as Nate, neither one of us really having any communications, um, education or formal communication education from, um, from college or anything like that is, it's pretty amazing that we've been able to do something that people go to school for, you know, we just kind of just figured it out on our own and continuously getting better and better every year. And just the, with the freedom that Jomas gives us to kind of make it goofy. And also like, I always feel like the, the best part about it is that like, because we got pretty good at disc golfing, you can't, you can't really be wrong about anything. You know, it's like, you have like this ultimate credibility (laughs) where you're kind of like, yeah, you know, I say, I say that's a tough putt. And it's like, you know, sure. Somebody can get in the comments and say, that's a sycamore, not a chinkapin. But like at the end of the day, it's a chinkapin. Well, you can also make up trees. I think they're the juxtaposition pillars out there in San Francisco. That, Absolutely. That, Absolutely. That, he he who holds the mic has the power. It's 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 bizarre. Like so many things that, you know, like terms that we, you know, come up with or make up on the spot, like end up being the term that is used officially from here on out. You know, throller has become a part of the disc golf uh uh, dictionary you know yeah. it's not just germanology anymore it's in the official <laughs> disc golf dictionary this is a this is a term if someone throws a half roll or half throw yeah you know what that is baby <laughs> yeah, that's right i think germanology is probably in the disc golf dictionary at this point too <laughs> oh it certainly is i i in germanology isn't just for misspoken words or made-up words it's also for misspoken phrases which is my most that's probably my favorite thing to do uh, that is like almost intentional, but not entirely, <laughs> you know, like I have so many expressions that are like so close and I'm getting one <laughs> word wrong. <laughs> like uh, for, for instance, one, one of the things I used to say would be like 12 of one half dozen of the other. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> my probably my all time favorite germism oh that I know where this is going. Yeah, and and my <laughs> wife loves it too. And we 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 find ourselves mentioning it. I feel like at least once a month. But it was when we were talking about oh no. uh, disc golf and like you know getting past the stereotype of like it only being hippies and all this stuff. And Germ very confidently just said, you oh. know, it, disc golf has this astigmatism around it. <laughs> And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, maybe maybe reading glasses could help. Or I can't remember what I said, but it was just a hilarious thing. And, and you know, it's true. It is like so close to just the just saying stigma. But uh, but yeah, 
one, it's a beautiful one thing. Of the that, like Jules and I are so perfect for one another because without telling her that story, she made the same mistake. And <laughs> I have told that story that she said it because I was so embarrassed that, to take any sort of credit for it. Nice. Um, that like I say, this is something funny that Jules does, but then I'll, I'll finish it off by saying, you know, I said the same thing too, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's so funny because we've both made the same mistake and we're both so close so many times and we're just barely off. But, uh, yeah, baby. That's, <laughs> that's germanology. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, now I think, uh, I think everybody knows that you guys have a wonderful relationship and, and it shows just in the first few minutes of this podcast when you guys are doing Joe Mess. Jerm, tell me about the first time you met Nate Sexton. Oh, I'll never forget it, man. Um, Nate and I, you know, we're uh, just a few months off in age, but like we come from the same generation of disc golfers and um, we um, we hadn't we hadn't met for what I thought was a quite a long time, considering um, I'd been on tour for a couple of years. And, you know, Nate was like this really talented disc golfer that um, was kind of just playing more of the tournaments in the Northwest. And I was probably playing more tournaments in the Southeast and, you know, playing a few tour events here and there. And he was playing a few tour events here and there, but we just never quite met up. Um, I heard nothing but great things about the personality of Nate Sexton and, and how good of friends we would be. And, and, and finally that fateful day that we finally met up was um, at the 2010 world championships in Crown crown point indiana um and we actually played two rounds that tournament and i was going back through my pictures um on facebook recently i i don't know what the reason was or maybe i was going through my phone or something but i actually found a picture where somebody um was taking a, a shot of nate throwing a sidearm and I was right there behind him. And I recognized the course as being the one from Crown Point, Indiana. And I recognized, oh my gosh, this is a picture from the, like literally the round that Nate and I met. And I just remember thinking that's actually a really cool picture for, for reasons that we would have never known at the time. Um, but um, yeah, I just, I remembered how much fun we, we had playing with one another and how similar our games were um, being forehand dominant um, and, and pretty good putters, but really good scramblers. And, you know, backhand was something that we could definitely use, but definitely the forehand dominant thing was like a cool thing for a player like myself, who was coming up in an age where forehand was not, I don't want to say shunned, but it was definitely like pretty rare to see somebody go forehand dominant and be competitive. So um, it was a, yeah, I'll never forget that. That was in the summer of 2010. I definitely remember it definitely remember playing playing both of the rounds together and i don't think we we you think you beat me i don't think we played that neither one of us really played that great but i mean maybe in 2010 we weren't feeling that sad about it because we we're still kind of new or a little 20, newer i think i think we got top 20 i guess i was i guess i was pretty good in 2009 so i probably was mad i was probably coming in there thinking i was gonna light the world <laughs> on fire you got what fifth or you got sixth place in 2009 right fifth yeah fifth yeah, so I mean, of course, you're not happy about it, but I, I was guess I probably over- wasn't. I was trying to pretend that maybe I was, but that here's another <laughs> another memory I need to get your take on because what what year was it, or do you know, uh, when we were having the putting contest at the USDGC in a bar, and I think Kyle Crabtree was putting, 
Oh yeah, I know. I know exactly where you're going with this. Do you know what? Do you know what year that was? Was that before we had really met? I feel like it was. That was 2008. That was my very first USDGC, and that was when we had the Guardians of the Disc Golf Basket, and that was the putting contest, and that was um, the bar. I forget the name of the bar, but it's like right down the street from from the USDGC, and um, <clears throat> I believe it was myself, Nick Schneider, Jay Redding. Um, I don't think Paul Elman was quite in the scene yet, in my, but it was every single guy that we could find that was six, four or above standing in front of a basket that was sitting on top of a table in the bar and our heads just barely, um, cl- uh, cleared the top of the basket. So like if someone was trying to make the putt, they literally had to go over our heads. Is this what you're talking about? Yes. Yes. Cause I okay. had a pretty good memory of that. Just like popping into my head, you know, thinking back to like first awareness of you. <laughs> I mean, I remember okay. being aware of you too, when you won the amateur world championships, obviously, cause I was there for that. Okay. But okay. then I remember being there and, and watching that putting contest and kind of thinking like, who is this guy? He's just up there hogging the spotlight, you know, as these, I all know. these people are trying to putt and, and, yeah. you know, I was thinking, oh, this guy's pretty obnoxious, just like big, tall guy being sure. loud, whatever. Yeah. And yeah, it's just funny to think back, you know, judging somebody's character, how like sometimes you can be so off and not know who somebody ends up being. And like sometimes like that time you can be dead on. And just from the right first moment, <laughs> you, you know, you know, kind of exactly who you're dealing with. Oh, I'm so glad you beat me to the joke because I was going to say the same thing. I was going <laughs> to. <laughs> my direction would have been you know if you just stay the same way for 15 years eventually people get used to you enough to like you yeah it, it totally worked no I, do, I mean that's totally that's the totally legit thing you know you when you first meet somebody you can or you first see somebody you can jump to all kinds of conclusions but you give them a real chance and start to meet them and obviously i don't think there was ever a time after we actually met each other where i was like oh gosh so annoying you know he's always been friends since then <laughs> I don't know if I would have been great friends with Jeremy Colling from 2008. Like, I think he, I would have found him quite obnoxious too. So to your credit, that's a pretty fair assumption for a first impression. I mean, <laughs> well, that's all right. I mean, everybody's got to, everybody gets, grows up. I mean, I think I was probably kind of annoying too in my younger days at times, but yeah, I, I definitely have that memory. Your... I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure you're wearing a UNC hat, which isn't rare, but I, I feel like I remember a light blue hat. I remember you just kind of poking up. Okay. Oh, popping in there uh no okay yeah if it was a light blue hat it must have been unc because if it was at un uh, usdgc i would have already been sponsored by discraft um okay the only reason i say that is because i did have a light blue innova hat that i wore everywhere and that thing was like pretty much like light blue light blue brown by the time i was done wearing it but uh but that was a very common hat for to see me in because I could not afford hats back then. And when I got my hands on one, I wore it until the it was just all rags. But um and yeah. now look at you, man. You you you're I've never met a man hundreds, with more hats. Hundreds of hats, my it friend. looks like I, looks like we made it, baby. <laughs> hey mom, I made it. Look. <laughs> was that, that was that was like your big thing. You know what? I'm buying hats now. I couldn't have them before. Dude. Now I'm gonna have every hat I want. I will tell you the the year that prodigy became a thing where players were getting paid. And let me tell you, we were getting paid, baby. 100, I would say $100 a month, $1,000 a month, you know, a $12,000 salary. That's a big salary for a disc golfer in 2013. But yeah, I mean, like I was so broke that 
that actually was like a huge chunk of change for me. And that year, Garrett Gerthy and I went on tour and I will be damned if we didn't stop at every single like Zoomies or Paxson or any, any store that sold like a Hurley hat or a, a Ruka hat or any like that surfing, like lifestyle brand. Cause I thought it was so cool. And I was just buying like $25 hats. Like it was nothing. And I felt so good that I could afford it. It was like the first time in my life I had some sort of what I felt like was financial freedom. And <laughs> that was when the hat collection really started to amount. And if you ever wonder, <laughs> if you ever see German, you think, man, this guy's looking too good. I know he flew here. How is he doing that? He has a case <laughs> that keeps the flat bills flat. He puts them in a case and those flat bills are pristine when he hops off yep. the plane. It doesn't matter yep. what kind of tired, overworked luggage handler gets a hold of his stuff. Those hats are, you know, they're ironclad. They're protected. And if any of them get damaged, I just have a set of new f- uh, five new hats waiting for me in any city that I go to <laughs> smart. at the airport. I that just is keep smart. a locker. <laughs> fresh hats on ice i like it oh my gosh that's so stupid nate did you did you have a did you get a have a guilty pleasure after you started making some of that in of the money you know germ said he was out buying hats what what was your what was your guilty pleasure? boy oh boy um man it wasn't hats it's never been hats for me well, you've me got think. great hair like well you have nothing to hide i i i have Big hair. I don't know if great is the word I would use. But uh I just sent you a video off of YouTube, that 2010 hair boy. Oh yeah. <laughs> Anybody who's got a balding or a high hairline type deal like I do, here's somebody like you say, I don't have great hair. And I just want to take your hair off your head and put it on my head. And then, <laughs> then I want to take my hair and put it on your head. And hear you say that, because then then maybe your perspective changes a bit. Okay, I have bet. <laughs> That's I have like roll credits. It can't get any better. I have far better hair than you. I just I'm just trying to draw a line between great. <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to say my hair isn't immensely better than yours. I'm just saying it might not be great. I mean, we none of us have Robert McCall hair, but yeah, fair. yeah, fair enough, fair enough. I mean that that is some super stuff. Juan Garcia hair. Oh, Juan Garcia just rolling out of bed looking like a million bucks every day. <laughs> what does that feel Guys, like, what my are, friend? What are we doing here? <laughs> We're chatting. <laughs> We're just talking hair. This is this is this, this has gotten a little hairy. So Nate, don't 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 oh, sneak boy. away. What's your guilty pleasure? Was it Pokemon cards? What were you what were you saying? I'm I'm with? not trying to hide it. I'm I i do not know. If Germ, call me out. Do I I mean you know, what do I what do I Stops. what am I just spending money on? stocks i don't stocks. know stocks like his 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 way of spending money is making more money with his money like mine That's, is like how can i lose this um, quickly i don't i mean now that i'm a family man i you know i'm i'm getting a lot of you know carters cat and jack you know toddler brand clothes i'm paying i'm paying some cash for that kind of stuff you, I can't see you splurging on anything. Well, I dude, let's exercise bike is a freaking splurge. I just got this thing and it's a serious yeah, piece dude, of equipment. That's years after the end of money started rolling in. I'm talking like everybody when they start getting money for the first time. Now I'll say everybody, but most people when they finally are like, Hey, I can afford to do this now. I never could before. Like does yeah. that thing. And I've been I can't doing think of what yours might've been. I've been, I mean, lately at least I've been doing a, 
irresponsible amount of Uber Eats. <laughs> well, that's that's that is responsible in an irresponsible way. It's a splurge because I mean, like, you know I'm paying all kinds of fees. Out. No, I'm not. I'm guess, well, yeah, I'm definitely not going out. I haven't been in a restaurant in a year. I feel like, but uh, oh but yeah, I'm definitely uh, I'm definitely hitting that Uber Eats pretty hard, harder than I should be. It happens. It happens so fast with Uber Eats. You look and you're like, oh, that meal's six dollars, great. And next thing you know, it's oh, like know. you're twenty one forty your total. And I'm just like, what just <laughs> happened? Yeah, I didn't. it's got a tight tea. What the heck? <laughs> the less you buy, the worse it. the The more you feel it too, because like if it's a small order, you're like, oh, it's just a couple bucks, and then it it is literally twenty one dollars every time. It's a little bit more palatable when you're like, but then it then you got to leave a kind of a big tip. But I mean, that's cool. You know, those drivers are putting in the work, so I'm always I'm always down to leave a tip. They love when they see that Sexton name pop up. They know that. They're, oh yeah, getting some that guy's got money. that Innova money. <laughs> that's a t shirt right there. In of a money. Someone write that down. It's a t-shirt for a select few, for sure. So, Jerm, um, I guess, well, this is for both of you guys. One of the questions that came in so much is, and you guys started to talk about it a little bit, how did Big Sexy come together? Did you guys decide you wanted to do it? Did Jomez approach one of you first and you said, I want to do it with the other? What what was the origin? We're lucky we have Jerm here because I feel like he has a pretty good memory for this kind of stuff. I, yeah. I know that I did it before he did it. Yes. Like, cause I did it with Paul Macbeth and I did, you know, some commentary work with central coast, but I'm going to let him take the ball here. Cause I bet you he has a better recollection of how it actually went down than I do. Yeah. I, I feel like I do too. It means a lot to me. Um, uh, so yeah, Nate, Nate was right. He started first working with Macbeth and, um, I don't think you worked with anyone else. That's my that's right? probably true, at least not on Jomez. Yeah, yeah. So like you were doing a lot of stuff with Central Coast, um, and you still continue to do the um, champs versus chumps. Yeah, um, I, I guess. I mean, I still of. do that now. I don't know when I started doing that. Probably before but, Big Sexy. But yeah, you were you were kind of like this freelance commentator that was you know kind of just doing it. Um, I don't want to say casually because it was something you were doing quite a bit, but. Um, yeah, I was you know, starting to make a name for myself for for that being something that I was decent at and willing to do. Exactly, um, and it, you could kind of tell like when someone starts doing commentary whether they understand the timing of it, the um, the pace and all that. And some people get it, and some people don't. And and Nate very clearly early on got it. And I had started um, at the Waco tournament in 2017, and. Um, when I say started, I mean started with Jomez. I had done some things, again, with Central Coast and then maybe for another um, uh, production company as well. But it was very, very little commentary um, history for me. But it was something that I definitely wanted to get my feet wet with. And so when I started working with Jomez, I worked with Simon and Eagle collectively the first time. And then we realized that was just too many uh, people on one microphone so we started doing two-person sets kind of like they had done with Nate and Macbeth and um, and I just worked with a myriad of people I was working I worked with Greg Barsby Simon um, quite a bit and then Simon had decided that he didn't want to do it anymore so we had to find different replacements for him I worked with James Conrad a few times Chris Dickerson, which ended up being a complete fail, which was hilarious because <laughs> Chris is a very funny human being, but he is not a very good commentator. 
Um, and he will tell you that himself. He, he, he brings it up sometimes in conversation. Like, is it as bad as that one time I did commentary? Like he, he totally understands that that is not his role, um, which is fine because he's an excellent player and he serves a great role as that. Uh, but anyhow, um, it, we were just kind of trying to find um, some sort of, um, I guess when Jomas was looking for a team that clicked and a team that was consistent and reliable. And um, when Nate and I finally met up at the Nick Hyde um, in 2017, uh, there was uh, proverbial fireworks in the air, I guess you could say. It, it just, it, it was good flow. It was funny and and more so better than anyone else, Nate was able to kind of take my silliness and wrangle it in and make something of it. Um, and I, that that took a, a, an extra level of talent that not any of the other people I'd worked with um, had the capability, talent, um, or honestly, it's intelligence. Like it, it is, a, is a wittiness that um, that Nate has to him and also an understanding of my humor to like get my jokes and also be so quick that he could take something that maybe I'm going off into, into nothing land and he can find a way to bring me back. But then also sometimes when I'm going off on a tangent, it ends up leading somewhere. And then we turn that into a joke, like the whole um, juice bit that we had at GBO turned into an excellent <laughs> thing about the slight brimming of the carafe and like talking about having enough juice left in the tank and like what that means. And like that kind of stuff takes like a, a, a really strong hold on um, your, the, your counterparts commentary. And so it was, it was very clear early on that the big sexy team, which didn't really, actually that name was pretty much there from the beginning. Wasn't it? I think so. I think we, we uttered it right away. Yeah. Uh, at yeah. Nikaid. I mean, it was pretty obvious. It was a, it was an easy, yeah. easy nickname to come up with. So the name, the name clicked, the team clicked. Um, you know, I had a lot of growing to do to improve my craft, but um, it, 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 over time, you know, like I think it just became clear that like, if there was going to be a voice for the sport of disc golf, you know, who better than, than Nate Sexton and Jeremy Cullen. And um, we, we went with it, we rolled with it and, you know, we made it, pretty much all 2018 like we were like all right we're gonna go for it and then 2019 we had our setbacks with the disc golf pro tour um those got resolved mid-season but we we still haven't really like hit our stride as far as i think you know the, the, our potential i think like you know if if 2021 settles down with this whole covid business and we can get nate sexton back on tour you know i think that we might have um a good chance to to really hit our our best product and I think, you know, for, first of all, you're too kind because I had plenty of learning and growing to do, too. I mean, you make it sound like I was just coming in here so polished, but I don't I don't recollect it that way. I think we both kind of evolved. And, and I'm sure, you know, sure. you've helped me and I've helped you. And, you know, the whole thing has been a, a cool experience to grow. But also the other thing I want to say is like with 2021, you know, we're going to be stronger than ever because now we got Yuli in the fold. And however yeah. that ends up working out you know obviously i don't play every tournament so there's going to be plenty of you know big berry out there and mm -hmm. and i don't know if we'll ever try three or what we'll do i mean we, we'll leave that up to the mm -hmm. professionals over at jomas pro but you know yuli's committed he's involved and you know we've all been good friends for a long time so i'm just i'm super excited i'm not only am i just jonesing to get back out there and play 
sure. get rid of the get rid of this COVID stuff, but just get back in the booth and working with you guys. It's going to be awesome. Jerem, do you, do you kind of feel like it's like in Castaway when she gets remarried and then her other partner comes back after he gets <laughs> off the island and you're just kind of torn because you love them both you have so to ask much Nate and you that. just don't know what to do? No, Nate's the Tom Hanks in this situation. Uh, you be, you you're remarried. I'm coming back. I've been gone. Oh, oh, so yeah, okay. So I am. Um, you're the oh wife. My gosh, yeah. No, I know, but I. Oh my gosh, I, I love. Oh, come on, Jeremy. She played in Contact. Um, why can I not remember her name? Anyhow, that's embarrassing. Um, yeah, I am her. I've been remarried. I I waited. You know. Yeah. I have. I I've been patient. You know, I gave Nate plenty of chances to be irresponsible and go back on tour, but he decided that he was going to stay on his island. And um, and you found love. Yeah, I mean, you know, I here's the thing: disc golf fans are are fiercely loyal until you're gone for a month. (laughs) 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 Then they're not anymore. (laughs) I like for them to prove me wrong, but like I just seem like it feels like I heard so many. Um, I mean, for a while there is like the comments were, you know, Paul's great, but where's Nate? And that comment was in, was at least posted 10 times on every video for the first like three months of coming back on tour. Then it started being like, I think Paul's better than Nate. And I was just like, dude, it's not a matter of better or worse. Like Paul's a completely different style. So like you might like Paul for his style, but like let's just let's be fair you've called nate the best in the business for years just because he's not here doesn't mean that he's not like gonna kick butt when he gets back in the booth like let's not forget that he's you know the favorite commentator by 30 by was it 19 votes (laughs) for a reason (laughs) when are you gonna when when are you sending my check for those 20 votes i sent in it's in the mail it's in the mail dude how crazy is how close that, that came down to like the last hour that's just yeah insane. the last that minute. was funny just like a random poll too that guy's that guy's going hard on the polls that robbie guy yeah, who's I, who has that disc golf account on uh instagram doing all these different things it's kind of cool to get that many people voting i mean that's like 3500 votes for and that's not just on the last day i mean every single day he had different um battles going on and um to have that much engagement that's pretty cool that he's been able to build his page pretty much solely on that on that premise i mean i, I don't know what else he's posting honestly I, but um but yeah that to have that much engagement and in, interaction with something like that's pretty cool i mean it probably didn't hurt that much that you and i were sharing that every single day because i didn't share one single post about the best sidearm uh uh bracket that he held and and uh I should have. I, I mean, that's important to me to, to be recognized as such. And, and winning, it was cool. Like Eagle even said, you know, I guess it was Eagle and I in the finals. And Eagle said, you know, I've got the power, but Jerm does things that I can't do. And like, that meant a lot to me to say that. But honestly, yeah. when it came down to it, the disc golf commentary, the best commentator one meant way more to me. Like I saw that and I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, I wonder who, how this is going to shape up. And uh, seeing you and I in the finals was like, okay. I am tired of the 60% of big sexy business that Nate keeps saying. <laughs> like, I'm curious what, you know, how many people are going to vote and how close it might actually be. And I was, I was pleasantly surprised to see how close it ended up being. I mean, 50, I, and 50. I was, 
and I was absolutely shocked. But you know, <laughs> but that's but no, honestly though, that tells you you know that shows that you've been you've been honing your craft because I feel like yeah, it wouldn't have been fifty fifty a year ago. No, not and that's fine, you know. And it's like you know I've been gone, so it's like that only makes sense that I would be slipping down the rankings, but. Definitely inspired me to, you know, write a little battle rap, which I feel like uh, 99% of people thought was pretty funny. And 1% of people got super pissed about, which I didn't really see coming. (laughs) But uh, yeah, you know, as I tried to say and make very clear, you know, it was an all all love thing. And I sent it to you and Paul before I obviously before I posted it so we could all laugh about Mm -hmm. it beforehand. But whatever, just goofing around and and, uh, doing some rhymes because, you know, occasionally I do. I am prone to a rhyme. You are definitely prone to throw it down. And I think people should expect that from you. And if they ever get upset about it, then they just don't know how silly you are. And that's on them. I, that is that it, that has been a pet peeve of mine. People don't know how silly I am because I'm, I'm thrown in this CBS ESPN box in 2020 in this era of ever expanding disc golf media consumption. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, I gotta, I gotta drive the ship on these network things, and they're asking for a different style, and yeah. that's fine, and I'm happy yeah. to do that style, but that's not big sexy style exactly. And uh, and then I see some comments that are like, "Oh gosh, I mean Nate is just so vanilla," and I'm like, "Dude, where are you? Where, <laughs> get back, get back in there, see some of the the old stuff, you know? Like that's not that's not what we do exactly. That's what we had to do." to to be palatable for like your grandma or you know somebody's grandma that doesn't even know what disc golf is and we can try to hopefully expose yeah. the sport to a wider audience but definitely definitely cannot wait to do a practice round with Julian Germ Mike Duff oh that just gosh. looks like you I, guys are though that, that is I cannot believe we haven't been doing that the whole time like you guys are I killing know. it in those they're so funny it, it is you guys off, almost came to blows yeah oh well, are you talking about at <laughs> at, at um, Maple Hill? Yeah, yeah. You, you, I, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure you threatened to uh, to to put hands on on Paul during that round. I mean, that's just a, <laughs> that's just a regular day with the with Huey and and Germ. I mean, that's a, that's that an everyday thing. Nothing new. Nothing new there. I I did the whole gazelle bit actually started because I almost hit his Achilles heel with my uh, disc golf cart and. Um, with my push cart and uh he looked it was like kind of this moment of like if you go back and watch it um we are uh walking down the fairway just after we teed off on hole six and uh i almost clip his heel and like it's kind of a moment of about 20 to 30 seconds of like kind of awkwardness because he's like he kind of snaps at me and then i'm just kind of like trying to diffuse the situation and just go back to being funny and it like kind of got weird for a second. And that's when like, we, like, I think he realized, okay, well, I, we got to do the practice round and be silly thing. And then he said that it looked like a gazelle because of my outfit. And then I was like, just blown away by it. And I was like, wait, wait are you talking about my shirt? Like the, the one I, with all these cans even, on it. I couldn't even <laughs> believe what I was watching when, <laughs> as that was ridiculous. happening. And this is like, this is okay. So little interactions like this, like like that one specifically that turned into a thing right that turned into a meme that turned into a whole thing where the entire disc golf media like reddit instagram facebook you name it twitter they're just lighting 
up about the gazelle and to the point where Jomez was like, we got to do something with this. So we just sketched up a design for a shirt really quick. And this, they sold like a thousand of these things like pre-sale, like didn't even have to make like any sort of risk or commitment to it. It's just like, Hey, who wants these? And a thousand people like in a matter of like two days were like, I do. And it just blows my mind at, at the power of numbers uh, of fans that we have and in the numbers of um, just committed followers that are, are willing to like be a part of an inside joke by wearing a t-shirt, you know? The and Jomez fans do not mess around. Jomez has some it of is the, incredible. the best fans I've ever encountered just in terms of how loyal and how the how much the Patreon has grown and just how how many people are 100% consumers of everything that Jomez puts out and they're just there, you know, every time and like they're they're just hardcore it's cool without that i don't know if i could confidently say that i'd know what i would be doing in like five years as far as disc golf goes yeah like because of these people because of these amazing fans and these this incredible engagement that um you know juan has with the social media account with the instagram who's just absolutely killing it like grown the instagram page to over 111,000 followers and I mean like in just record time for disc golfers like wait are you talking about one are you talking about one with the good hair yeah one with the good hair yes okay cool yeah yeah I'm, <laughs> that, I'm on that, your page with you that one um so yeah I mean it's 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 uh that kind of loyalty and that kind of um interaction and the amount of attention that it brings us is like that gives me all the confidence in the world that we continue keeping the course here. We continue to grow with the brand that um, there's a future in it for us. And uh, that's a pretty amazing thing to have a little bit of a sunshine, you know, in the future. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. That's all. That's all I can really mm-hmm. say. It's, it's going to be exciting. Everything disc golf is in such an exciting place right now. And I just didn't see it coming. It snuck up on me. This whole ESPN thing happening and all this progress all of a sudden, I just didn't expect it. So it's like, you know, for somebody who's been around as long as me to see the, this kind of uptick, I mean, it's just an exciting time to be involved in disc golf. Are you now familiar with what a gazelle actually is, Jerm? It wasn't me. He always, he always was. He always was. It was, it was Eulabari who had that, that, that deep confusion. I think he was confusing a gazelle for a Pegasus based on his description (laughs) of a sheep looking horse looking thing with wings. I, that was yeah. a bird. Yeah, I've got to imagine he was in his head for some reason thinking Pegasus, but but he'll never tell us the way now. that he the way that he looked. Well, at that's what I was getting he, at. I I was hoping maybe he filled you in on on what he was actually talking about of what a gazelle actually oh. is at this at this point because I'm still <laughs> not sure what he thought. Yeah. what he was thinking. Pegasus. I like no. I've, I I've, I've I've pressed the issue. I've definitely tried to like get into the mind of Yulabari. <laughs> probably more times than I should to try to figure out what's going on up there. And I, I specifically that one. And I've asked him like, Hey, wh- like, were you talking about a Pegasus? And he's like, I don't know what I thought I was talking about. Like he was so <laughs> bewildered was where he was and what he was saying that he just went for it. And it turned out to be absolute gold. Like it was just wonderful. <laughs> it was so funny. I, I, I watched, I must've watched it 15 times. <laughs> I've seen it. I've showed so many people and it's like, it's amazing holding the phone and like just 
I'm watching them and they're watching the screen and I'm just watching this moment of like them seeing this for the first time. It's like, it's gold. It's just yeah. absolute pure gold. It's so, so good. I'm guessing Yuli's showing it to less people. <laughs> no, I don't think he's embarrassed about that stuff. Paul, Paul is one of the funniest human beings. I think Nate will attest to this. Like, yes. Paul is one of the most enjoyable people to be around. Uh, I, I just, he, he can laugh at himself better than almost anyone else. And so, You're right about that. He he's, know, he's so he good at that. He knows what he doesn't know. Like he is, he is willing to poke fun at himself if he knows that he's not well-versed on a certain uh, topic, such as like common birds or common African uh, mammals. Mammals. Yeah, like gazelles. Yeah. I was trying to say African um, bird-looking. Or... Yeah. <laughs> it's just... Bird-looking sheep. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're saying. I can't. That's so stupid. <laughs> oh, bird-looking sheep. You can't. You can't buy that kind of entertainment. Now, Nate, you you talked a little bit about having to, to put a little freestyle down, and how every once in a while you'll you'll have to drop some bars just to get them off because you can't hold them in. Germ, you were kind of there as the introduction of Nate's poetry on the other side of his rap. Ah. He, he's got a little softer side. How? Uh, mm-hmm. Tell us. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, uh, we are talking about the Wire Trees poem, I would guess. And um, that goes to a very, a very um, dark place in Nate and I's conscious. And that is W.R. Jackson in Appleton, yes. Georgia. Yes. That is a place that is a place that uh, Nate and I have never played well at. And we 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 get frustrated by by very similar things sometimes on the disc golf course seeing that our our game is is predicated on the same strengths and sometimes the same weaknesses and uh that course is not friendly for right-handed sidearm players however somehow every year the 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 really good lefties seem to do well there i haven't been able to figure that out but um anyhow that place is uh you know, when, when I look at each individual hole, I don't necessarily think that there are any bad holes. I think that there are many really great holes. And somehow when you put all of them together, it ends up frustrating the absolute crap out of both Nate and I. Like it just like gets <laughs> under our skin and it defeats us. And <clears throat> Nate, who is, has had a very has a very well-publicized caching streak going on in disc golf, um, has somehow been put to the test many times at WR Jackson. Um, that being said, the poetry kind of came out of a, a place of necessity because everything else that was left there was just frustration and anger. I think on Nate and I's end uh, towards how we were playing in the tournament, how defeated we are, or just hitting trees constantly. And um, anyone who's ever played WR Jackson understands that. I mean, that's a tough course. And uh, it can get a bit exhausting hitting tree after tree after tree. And somehow, at some point in the commentary, uh, Nate just wanted to kind of let off some frustration in the most diplomatic way possible. And he just simply said, why are trees? And uh, it was just such a great line that it, it just, it needed more. And people wanted more because it resonated with so many people 
hey yeah why are trees those are stupid <laughs> you know like trees can be so dumb right yeah really and so and so you know nate is no stranger to writing poetry that was why are trees is probably the first time that we've seen it on the grand scale but um you know nate's actually pulled out some of the uh the the dandies that he's written in the past and he's no slouch man he's got some writing chops I think the thing that that comes to my mind that I I feel like we need to invent if it hasn't already been invented, like you said, how it's got a lot of great holes, but they it just adds up to a frustrating place, and it makes me think about how, you know, you can give a compliment to a a group of people or or a course or something and say it's more than the sum of its parts, but is there an opposite <laughs> for that where you can be like W R Jackson is way less than the sum of its parts? <laughs> Sure, I don't know. Bro. I don't know if I've ever heard anyone say that. It's just less than the sum of its parts. I'm not complaining about anything in particular. I'm just saying, you know, as a whole, it stinks. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it, it doesn't so actually funny. stink. Yeah, like, but yeah, but it's yeah, just that's no, just the way I feel about it. Yeah, I mean, like I, I've seen you break character, and that's something that you've done a, a fantastic job of composing yourself. Yeah, uh, for the most part, and and when you lose your frustration, I mean, when you lose your temper, when I say yeah. temper, I mean like you say darn it a bunch. But when you when you get to that point and you're saying darn it like in succession of like yeah four or five times, yeah, we know that Nate's kind of gone over the deep end. Um, yep. But you know, I mean, like you, you've said some things and, and done some things that you felt a little embarrassed about. If I, absolutely, if you don't that. no, absolutely, and, it's true. And, it's true. I've lost my cool out there, and uh, more than once. And, and it, it, you know, it was the poetry like, came from a place of sorrow for sure. And you know, it's 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 true. It's like there's something that's real uh, that that is him really talking about how freaking frustrating that place can be, but finding like that Nate Sexton way of making it like relatable and funny, which is something that, uh, you know, I think that's what's so, uh, what makes him so popular with the fans is that there's a way of, you know, saying something in a funny way, but, uh, you know, in a way that you might not word it, but represents all the feelings that you have on the same subject. Oh God. I, I got 150 emails about that poem in particular. Jerm last week, Nate shared with us that, uh, he started out, with a disc in his hand and he would go camping with his family and there was a tree that they would aim for and throw the disc at it. So he actually started out aiming for trees. So don't let him fool you. <laughs> uh, that's actually the same way I started as well in college with, uh, with ultimate Frisbees. So we got that in common. Yep. Yeah. It's how my disc golf career started out too, but I'm not aiming for the trees. I'm just hitting them. Um, career is a career is a strong word, Jared. Yeah, I, it's a, it's a very strong word, especially especially since I'm like I'm down like thirty six bucks on the on the course this year. But that's okay because we're gonna get you to Buffalo. You're gonna beat Anthony in that grudge match, and you're gonna make it all, all right for me. All right, I can do that. Now it's this is a a funny time to bring up a, a friend of mine that I met here actually playing out in Buffalo, um, a guy named Eric who is the founder of a company actually called Tree Direction, and uh, what they do, Nate, is um, they work with disc golf and the environment both. It's kind of a cool thing that he's doing, uh, basically spreading awareness on the impact of the sport in the forests, and uh, they go out, they plant trees, and uh, they're doing a lot of big things for disc golf, and he's a local local Buffalo guy here. Um, if you guys want to check him out and see what they have going on, they're at tree direction underscore 
disc golf. And uh, I know it's a, a cool thing to be doing for the environment, but maybe not something that you guys like too much seeing all these trees keep popping up on these courses. <laughs> no, it's great what he's doing for sure. No, it is. I'm going to give him a follow right after this episode. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So, guys, anyone out there, check them out. Uh, they're opening up a uh, an online store, Tree Direction, um, DiscGolf.com, and they've got some hoodies and stuff. But basically, they're doing everything um, towards the environment and, and to help out, make sure these disc golf courses look great and planting trees out there. So just kind of a, a cool thing that he's doing. And I uh, wanted to thank him for, for supporting the show and, uh, and for giving us a follows and shares. And uh, hopefully the listeners will do the same for him. Sweet. And uh, Nate, I think it's about time for us to do another disc review. Yeah, I like that idea, and I, you know, it really is a pretty easy choice here. We've got a, we got the big man here. We got to go with the Thunderbird and the Big Germ Thunderbird Ooh. specifically because that's a disc that I rely heavily on, and obviously he endorses and uses all the time. So let's get, let's hear it straight from the man. Like, what's the deal with these Big Germ Thunderbirds? What do you yeah. love about them? Tell us it all. Oh. I am honored. First off, thank you for giving me a platform to talk about my sweet disc. Um, yeah, so joined the end of a star team in 2017. And uh, when they gave me the option to pick a, a disc, a mold and a plastic, um, it seemed pretty clear to me that Thunderbird was one of my favorite molds that uh, Prodigy didn't have anything that could fly like that at the time. And I always envied that disc and that nobody in the star team had that disc currently was like, mind-blowing to me i guess the one thing that was kind of holding people back was that it, the flight was somewhat similar to a firebird and you already had pretty um well marketed the the nate sex and firebird at that point so um but i was pumped because i loved the, the thunderbird and i said you know what we're going for it because it's a great disc and i can definitely sing the praises of this disc to the masses and and hopefully people will try it out if they haven't yet so um the, the Thunderbird, essentially, uh, what Innova was trying to do and successfully managed to create was a, a uh, disc that kind of flew like a high-speed destroyer that, um, that went the distance of a high-speed uh, driver, but at the stability and the controllability of a um, kind of a slower-speed fairway driver, like a T-Bird. Um, I found in early field testing that I was getting very similar distance with my Thunderbird as I was with my destroyers and my wraiths. And um, yet I was uh, necessitating a much narrower uh, line. And so I would be able to get big distance down fairways um, without requiring a bunch of left to right space to try to flip and turn and get all that extra action. And and in many cases, I was actually out driving my destroyers, which were getting the full flex just in a wide open field. And I was just like kind of blown away by that. I couldn't really figure it out because um, the disc is only a, a, a nine speed. I think they or made a, I shouldn't know this. Goodness gracious. I'm not sure what end of a scale. I feel like it might, it might be a 10, but it's either a nine it's or a, 10. Yeah, it's either a nine or a 10, but it, it ends up getting the distance of like those 11 or 12s like with no problem it seems like um and then i was able to really figure out its uh nuances in the short range game as well and so i was able to kind of work it in while using the sex and firebird a bunch i was also able to find um little gaps in stability that i liked it for like 285 foot shots and so now it wasn't just like this 
just that I was throwing for 400 foot straight shots or 400 foot hyzers. Now I was throwing um, like little touch shots with it that needed a little bit of skip or maybe go a little bit straighter than the Sexton Firebird. Um, and I chose the um, Swirly Star Plastic because it's just the prettiest plastic and I knew it had a great feel to it. And they had only done one run of Swirly Star Thunderbirds prior to the Big Germ Thunderbirds. So I knew that there was um, there was kind of a market out there for people like wanting more of them and you know, I figured if there was ever a, a way to kind of like corner that market, might as well put my name on that and uh, make it uh, make it mine. And so far, it's been pretty amazingly uh, successful. And, yeah, uh, I love them. I, I, of- I carry two of them. Uh, I use it for a lot of the same things you do. I don't really throw it forehand that much. I, I tend to kind of like to keep my forehand and backhand separate a lot of times. So like the Firebirds will take uh-huh. all the forehands, but then if it's a similar shot, with the backhand, I'm reaching for that Thunderbird. I use it a lot for like power rollers as well, hyzers, like everything yeah. that's anything that's like not a maximum distance shot. I'm going to the Thunderbird. So it's one of my favorites. The one thing that I can say, like if there's any testament of how good the disc is, it's how much players like like top players like like obviously you know Sexton just said that he loves it, um, but. Calvin Heinberg loves the disc so much that this is true. He has literally lost 15 of them. I think of the last disc mold <laughs> that you've lost 15 of, Nate. I don't know that I have one. I, I honestly don't know. Yeah, that I've I don't lost know if 15 I have anything. Know. He has lost, not just used, he has lost 15 of them. We were actually supposed to throw him a party when he lost his 15th because that was supposed to be some sort of big number or something um but yeah it's like he actually took the disc out of his bag after his 15th loss because i he couldn't get it replaced enough because he kept throwing it in all these situations that like were like big shots that he needed that disc and like yeah, he would like lose it in the field, leave it behind, throw it in the water. Like I know it sounds kind of weird to advertise that you can lose the disc a bunch, but you know, it's well, for him to lose it so much. Honestly, and you can't to come back to it. You can't lose it that much. Calvin throws insanely far. Our listeners are not Calvin. <laughs> it's you don't have anything to worry about. I'm That's throwing these point. things all over the place. I don't know if I've ever lost one, but I'm not throwing it 995 <laughs> feet either. I'm just checking eBay here, and there's a C. Heimberg yeah. that has 14 Coling Thunderbirds for sale. So I don't know if you should fall <laughs> for that losing 15. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a versatile disc, which is something that makes it really, really great for me. Um, Like Nate saying that he's throwing it for power rollers. Some of the rollers I've seen Nate throw with a Thunderbird are just like blow my mind. I mean, he's getting the disc down early and I'm kind of thinking like, okay, that's going to cut left. It's not going to keep going, but the thing just keeps trucking. I mean, it just works its way down the fairway and, if you get it down right, there's, I mean, I don't know if there's a disc that rolls farther. Um, I've actually used it quite a bit for my forehand rollers. Um, and, you know, I mean, to, I don't use it for any overhands, but I mean, it's pretty much useful for every other type of shot I can think of. Get one. Definitely get one. Thanks, man. I appreciate you giving me that uh, opportunity. That's a, it's a, it's a good disc. If you haven't tried it, you should try it at least once and then maybe 15 times more. <laughs> or at least maybe you know 15 different colors or designs and, and bag them and keep them 
Now, I know that you guys are lucky enough to be sponsored by Innova, and I'm sure they just send you all sorts of goodies and discs to use and play. But for our listeners who are not so fortunate, I can send you guys over to FisherDiscGolf.com. Germ, uh, Fisher Disc Golf is one of our sponsors here. Nate and I have been talking about them the last few weeks. I don't know if you've ever had an opportunity to check them out, but I recommend that you do on Tuesdays and Friday nights at 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. They do what's called their Mystery Stacks, and they go live on Facebook, and now they're doing it on YouTube as well at Fisher Disc Golf, and they actually stack these discs up on the table. So they'll have three big stacks of discs, and uh, you can purchase what they call pulls. So you want to pull one disc or three discs or five discs, and then you say, I'll take A7 and B4, and then they'll pull out the seventh disc from that first stack, the fourth disc from that second stack, and they show you live right on the feed what disc you actually purchased. So it's kind of a game of risk, but it's always some some awesome plastic that they're giving away. Uh, they, they do little chasers where they put special prizes on the back there. So um, you should stop in there one of these nights, Tuesdays and Fridays at 8 at Fisher Disc Golf on Facebook and Instagram. These guys are local guys, Levi and Adam from Michigan. Um, they've been huge supporters of our show. And uh, you can also hop over to FisherDiscGolf.com. They've got 18 different disc brands there uh, baskets apparel and uh, they've given us a little uh, a little thank you for our listeners right Nate yeah we got that code run it 10 at Fisher disc golf is gonna get you 10% off your first order if you get lucky maybe they got some big germ Thunderbirds in stock get a sweet deal yeah absolutely they're uh, they're awesome and they've been a, a huge sponsor we and uh, we thank them for for everything that they've been doing for us here at running it with Nate Sexton now we are gonna introduce for the first time, a segment that I am really looking forward to, and this is a segment that we're going to call You or Nate, and we're going to ask them some questions, and Jerem, you're just going to answer, who's more likely, is it you or Nate? A couple fun topics for us to debate, it's time to play, it's you or Nate. <laughs> All right, All right. so, you ready to play, Jerem? Let's do it, baby. Okay. Jerem, you or Nate, shorter temper. Oh, me. Oh, me. <laughs> Better dressed on the it's course. Like, you or Nate. Oh, me. Oh, me. I mean, come on. <laughs> Put me against anyone in the, in the dang field. I'm trying to think who, who could compete. No one. I can't think of anyone. No argument so far. Maybe if we got Steve Harvey out there to play some rounds, he might come with I some. Was trying to, I, I was trying to think of some, like, NBA players who have some mad steez. I, I get outdressed by the NBA players, but on the disc golf course, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's a rival yet. Maybe maybe one day soon. Better spike ball player. Um Nate for consistency, me for the big play when you need it. I'm okay with that. Okay. More likely to break a course record in a practice round. <laughs> I'm going to say I'm going to say me because I'm the practice round prince but in a tournament round I would say Nate if that's another question then I'm going to go with Nate it's not that's why I threw it in there who's more likely to cry during a movie oh me I don't think Nate shows emotion I, I cry like a baby <laughs> in comedies <laughs> who 
who's got the better backhand on the course? I would say Nate has the better backhand on the course. I think that he's proven that as of late. Yeah, I would say Nate has a better backhand. But Germ's got more power. Yeah, yeah. I again for consistency, Nate. But we need the big play, Jeremy. <laughs> That's a theme. Yes. <laughs> who would be a let- <laughs> Who would be a better lead role in an action movie? Oh God! It, I I. My sister's an actor. My my brother-in-law is a producer. Uh, I thought that the acting chops would be somewhere in my blood. They are not. I've seen my acting. It is terrible. It's got to be Nate. It's got to be Nate. <laughs> take a polo. Put it on. <laughs> yeah, take a polo. <laughs> That's a deep cut. That's a deep cut for those Jomas fans. It's a, only the only the the strongest fans, only the best loyal fans will get that one. Who's more serious on game day? I would say Nate's more serious. I can get I can get more serious quick, but uh, but I think that in general, I think I I think that I try to be, I try to uh, create an atmosphere of like some kind of like loose fun practice round atmosphere because i feel like i play best in that and i think nate could just play well in any atmosphere even if it's serious so i think that nate would probably be more serious i think with the caveat that neither one of us is all that serious on game day good point i'll tell you what that was that was actually a lot of fun anyone who's listening get yourself a friend out there that talks about that talks about you the way that big germ talks about nate sexton (laughs) I'm I'm smiling over here. I'm 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 feeling that glow right now. Well, Nate, you were you were nice enough to throw out on Instagram um, about questions for you and Big Germ, and then you were nice enough to put the show account down to make sure that my notifications went off every four seconds, and we got <laughs> hundreds of questions that came pouring in through Instagram and Facebook. And I thought that it would be fun to pick out questions that were asked to both of you guys, since this is kind of the return of Big Sexy and you guys are back behind the mic together. So uh, typically we would be asking questions from the fans just for our guests. But I think today we're going to we're going to fire away at both of you guys. So you guys ready? I'm ready. Let's run it. There it is. Okay, this comes from uh, Tyler uh, off of Instagram. Big Germ, what is the most annoying thing that Nate does when you do commentary together? And Nate, same question. So is the question to Nate, what's the most annoying thing that Nate does? (laughs) 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 Well, Tyler from Instagram, that's a great question. Um, I would say the most annoying thing that Nate does when we do commentary together is... Man, you're putting me on the spot. Um, I would say that with it's not him it's not that he's doing it intentionally i think that sometimes um there is uh more responsibilities on his shoulder than than i I think we could mix it up a little bit i think that's more on the production side that like they're like hey nate's here so let's give this role to nate and sometimes i'm like hey i want to do that too like why did you just initially go to him so that's not on Nate necessarily, but I feel like sometimes like I want to take a bigger, um, a more active role in, in all the things. And um, yeah, that's very diplomatic. I'm not going to be quite as diplomatic. Mine would be uh, the many, many times that 
it's been oh like boy. commentaries at 8 30 a.m and it's like the day before it's like oh, are you serious that this is my german impression are you 8 30 are you serious and or whatever <laughs> and then and then when it finally did when we do settle on a time then it's like oh my god they're taking forever at chick-fil-a man I'll, I'll be there as soon as I can. So just a, just kind of a, a punctuality uh, issue would probably be the uh, the most. And, he, and to his credit, he's gotten a lot better. But that would probably be if I had to think of something truly annoying that's not like a big deal exactly, but it's just kind of like, again, it'd just be like delaying the start time or just actually just being late. Fair. Actually, Tyler, okay. that's a stupid question. I wish he had that. <laughs> Now look what you did, Tyler. Thanks a lot. We had a great thing going here. But now look. You're a, Show's you're a over. Real class A jerk. <laughs> well, let's see how you feel about Kevin's question, Jern, because Kevin asks. Oh, boy. <laughs> asking the hard-hitting questions today from Mr. Big Germ. How is he coping with his heartbreaking loss to Nate in the recent commentator poll? I feel like he really gained some ground in the gazelle aficionados demographic, but ultimately those dozen or so votes weren't enough to see him through. Let me know. And I am prepared to donate millions to his campaign for a recount if necessary. <laughs> well, we are still waiting for those mail-in ballots to come in. So I don't, I, I'm not going to claim a defeat yet. Um, I think that I like it. Make germ great again. Uh, fans and the, the the community out there is they're still waiting and they deserve a response so i'm not going to accept that i've been defeated so i don't think it's necessarily a good question to ask me um i i've got i've got some research on it some of the best researchers uh i've got great great researchers on this uh i only work with <laughs> the best researchers and they all say that uh that i've won by a landslide so um i don't I don't really want to address that question anymore. Thank you. As close as that vote was, I'd be lying if I didn't, if I didn't tell you that I, I did reach out to Rudy Giuliani in the event that I lost. <laughs> sounds like, sounds like this is going to get interesting. <laughs> I think that, <clears throat> I think that both of us were blown away at how close it got. I mean, like that, that was really fun. I was actually playing a tournament while that poll was going on. And like, I was checking the results as they updated throughout the round. I'm not going to lie. I, I thought it was a really fun thing to pay attention to playing a tournament. And, you uh, were winning. You were winning a tournament. Not at that time. At that time I was, I was down by eight strokes to Nathan queen. Okay. I had some work to do, but um, the, <laughs> the comment that Nate said to me was so funny. If you don't mind uh, that, if I share this, Nate, go ahead. Um, <laughs> so so i was up early like 51 to 43 i think is what it was early on and i was like i mean 57 to 43 excuse me um if that is what i said the first time uh anyways and i was like wait a second what okay i was not expecting this and nate was up early because he is up early every day and his comment was once the free thinking West wakes up, I'm going. And then he sent the up emoji. <laughs> so, <laughs> he said, I'm going up. <laughs> once the free thinking West, like just thinking about all the backwards Easterners that were just like 
oh, I got to go for germ. Like, he's just thinking about <laughs> yokeling up my entire fan base. is just so hilarious. Uh, <laughs> that was that was so fun though. That was a, that was a that was cool to see that uh, that people finally have their heads screwed on straight and that they it was fifty fifty. It is cool. It's like it's the perfect place for our our careers to start again. You know, after this after this <laughs> yeah, long break, I now agree. we can start on even footing. <laughs> I think it was I think it was great that it was so close. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If it had been a landslide, I don't know if I would want to work with them anymore, but. Here we are. Well, I'm happy that <laughs> Brandon Matthew from Instagram asks, Nate, do you or Germ ever test out new molds or do you just stick to what you know and like in your bag? Oh, we for sure test out new molds. There's new stuff coming all the time. And, uh, you know, they're going to send us that stuff and and certainly trying it. I wouldn't say that the majority of the new molds make it straight in my bag, but they'll have some redeeming quality that i like about them and it takes a little while to work them in and trust them but like you know there's discs like the the rat <clears throat> has found its way into my rotation and that's a a little bit newer and, and one that i had just kind of got as a tester and start throwing and and you know sometimes they stick yeah i um like like nate said you know there's there's um there's holes in the bag that you don't even know exist sometimes and and when a disc comes out and you realize this actually solves a problem i didn't know i had uh, it's an exciting thing. And, um, you know, I mean, I'm always eager to see what new things Dave Dunapace has, uh, you know, up his sleeve and, you know, he's a brilliant disc designer and he's responsible for some of the most popular molds in, in the history of the sport. So he's no slouch at what he does. And when he has something new, it's because it's past his, um, his test of greatness. And so, you know, it's going to be good for something. Um, so yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I'm I'm always excited to to see something new and and feel it out and and give it a shot. I know from a fan's point of view, it's a lot like when I was younger and I would buy Michael Jordan basketball shoes and then I could not dunk uh, from the free throw line. I I buy that pig <laughs> online and I, I don't throw it like Ricky. My mine goes ninety six feet and dies into the ground. So yeah, you you and. About eighty percent of the people that that throw that thing probably could could work on improving it, but yeah, that's that's the fun of it, though, right? And that, I mean, honestly, that's got to be tough to take for a career disc golfer like you, Jared. I said starting my career, Nate. Okay, simmer <laughs> down over there. <laughs> we all start. We all started somewhere. <laughs> I'm the experienced podcaster well, here, Nate. I won't be. I won't I'm be not. I'm not. You know, I'm not out here tooting my my <laughs> podcast chops. I'm not. You know. <laughs> um, here's a uh, here's a fun question that came in from uh, David uh, off of Facebook. He said, "If either of you could steal another player's shot or skill, like Macbeth's backhand or Eagle's putting, whose would you choose and why?" Well, for me, it, I, wow. it's really easy for me. I would just take like I would take Eagle's distance. I mean, like I feel like I can get the job done everything else like it throwing far is fun and when i'm playing locally and or by myself i feel like i throw pretty far and then when i go to tournaments i start to feel like i can't throw at all because the eagle and guys like him so i would just like to throw as hard as him because i think that would be so fun to just be able to like reach any par four i mean that's the that's the dream yeah that's it's enviable without question i i am just I mean, clearly, I think if you watch our our stuff on Jomas and you've you've watched me cover anything that Eagles done, where it's 
somewhat open. It's just like jaw dropping what he's able to do. And we're in the top zero zero one percent of pro disc golfers. And we're just like, I can't even come close to that. So to think that he's got such an advantage on, on even the top of the top is just like mind blowing. But I, I would, I would say that as, as amazing of a, a skill that would be to have, um, and, and, and what a weapon that would be. I would take a, a Calvin Heinberg's fairway driver accuracy with his backhand. It's just the harder he throws, the more accurate he gets. And he just throws these long, low ceiling, just beamers that just go from point A to point B dead straight, maybe a little drift, right? Maybe a little drift left, but it's, he's so accurate at that shot. I've always envied that. I've always had difficult time throwing the the low ceiling uh, backhand driver. And it's something that he's so good at that. I'm just like, every time I see it, I just wish that I, I had like 10% of it. And what, what I noticed with that is, you know, we've, we've mentioned a couple of times between the two of us, germ makes the big plays and I stay consistent. So it's really no surprise that germs asking for consistency and I'm asking for a couple big plays. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Makes sense. Absolutely. Calvin makes it look so wow. easy too. <sighs> that's you just blew germ's us. mind right now. That's what I <laughs> that's, that's what I try to do. That's the business I'm in. Are you okay, Germ? You need a few minutes or can we keep going here? Because I think he really I just, just had to take a swig of water because I like I was like my, my throat just dried up. I was so like <laughs> existentialism of what just happened was like, <laughs> altered my state of everything. That was great. Aiden asked, what's the best on-the-road story you guys have from all your travels to tournaments and, uh, and such? Maybe a bad situation that's funny to look back or just a favorite moment, something that really sticks out. Um, story. A, ba- a bad situation story? Well, it can be a great or, or bad. Story. I'm going to go with a bad situation because th- this question is so hard. I have so many memories and cool stories, but like it's hard to be put on the spot and like pull one out of the air. But bad situation got me uh got me thinking so this wasn't fun at all but it is funny looking back on uh it was probably 2015 i guess i'm not sure it was me and uh, i was touring with paul Macbeth. we were at a course uh in california which actually i saw a petition that it might be getting taken away so ryan ranch like look up that petition and sign that if you want to keep that course around because it's a fun place to play we were there for a mcbeast challenge and we had his brand new RV that had just been wrapped. And it was like ten dollars or $12,000 that Innova had paid to wrap this thing. And we got permission from the course to stay the night there in the RV after we got done with the tournament. So we had like 100 people come out, had a great time. Uh, and we did our thing. And then we went to bed and, you know, we just had the truck and the trailer there, the only ones in the parking lot. So then we got up in the morning. It was kind of like a gray morning. And we're like, getting the truck hitched up or something and and just going around the doing all our little checks like yeah okay we're ready to roll with this rv we're both pretty new to rving at this point and it turned out that the morning was so gray that neither one of us noticed the humongous awning power awning that was still extended off of the rv uh from the night before and so we we started ripping down the road and we heard a noise and we were like what was that yeah weird that was loud and uh and then paul like made a gasp and like pulled over because he saw like the canvas what's not canvas but whatever vinyl 
of that thing like flapping and it's like hanging off the side and he thought that like he told me he thought the roof of the rv had fallen off because it's a fifth wheel right it's not an rv it's a fifth wheel so we're in the truck we're pretty isolated noise wise and vision wise from the trailer anyway it had fallen it had ripped off on a on a light pole and uh the wrap had been compromised the brand new (laughs) expensive wrap had been compromised and uh i remember getting out and running back up the road and dragging the huge mangled awning out of the road because there was like a city bus coming and it has all these hydraulic components so the thing is like extended by the force of like a gorilla no amount of paul slash me strength was gonna get this thing folded back up so you know i'm not proud of this but we just like threw it in a ditch and ran away because because <laughs> we didn't oh we couldn't God. we couldn't fit it in the truck we couldn't fit it in the in the uh rv so whoever cleaned that up whatever city worker cleaned that up i'm sorry um it was a bad situation okay it was a really bad situation. send the bill to paul Macbeth at no yeah it was a bad situation but i didn't we didn't know what to do you know we were on the side of the road and like it was early in the morning and yeah, we were kind of freaking out because like Innova had just paid for this wrap to be done. And we're like, Oh my God, what are we? I guess we're idiots. So I didn't know we were idiots, but I guess we are is how I felt at that time. So who had to call Innova and give them the, uh, see what had happened was conversation. I, I think since Paul owned the trailer, a lot of that, and he was driving at the time, I think a lot of that fell to him. Thankfully for, for me. You are asking right now for maybe one of the most infamous storytellers on tour to pick a story like this is i i can't think of a more difficult thing to narrow down like like nate's saying like you'd have to i'm gonna pick one i've got one in mind that i'm gonna say but like i finding a story to talk about like you'd have to give me like if you wanted me to narrow it down give me like a city state in a in a, in a month and i'll be like oh well i'll give you a story from there you know like this is so hard to pull one out just from the entire database of a million stories um but i'll, I'll pick this one because i just told the story the other day um and it's a kind of a a rags the riches story and that it ended up it, it started off as one of the worst days of my life uh not really that's just the dramatic way of saying me it's just a just a real horrible day um i was in new jersey for the uh skylands national tour and i think this was in either 2010 or 2011 it was quite a few years ago i did not have a car at the time i was hitching rides from um tournament to tournament and in this particular tournament i was dropped off by the family I'd stayed with the week before at the Vibram Open. And I was staying with the tournament director slash course designer, Dan Doyle, who at the time was living at his mother's house, who happened to be in the hospital. This was a very old lady who did not have a television set, uh, did not have any sort of entertainment for someone um, my age, I probably would have been 25 at the time. Um, and this was a Monday. And at the time, a lot of pros would do the thing called uh, Monday Fun Day. 
and I'm not going to say these players' names, um, but there was a group of people that I was really, really looking forward to hanging out with that Monday who had told me that they were all going to go to New York City, which I had never been to at that time. And I was really looking forward to it. So we had made some sort of connections and started correspondence via text because there wasn't like 2010. It's amazing how far things have come in 10 years, but like the the communication uh, was was more difficult then, and it wasn't like you, I could just put on Google Maps and find where they were, um, or like get like a Uber or anything like that. Like you had to do things the old fashioned way, which meant that I needed to get a bus to a train to meet up with them, and then that way we could all meet up and then go do the Monday Fun Day in New York. Well. Monday morning comes around. I'm calling these guys and girls and, and none of, no one's picking it up. No one's picking up their phone. And, and I'm kind of getting pretty bummed out because, you know, I, I told them I was going to call them at the specific time. I made sure not to keep them waiting like I keep Nate waiting in the commentary booth. So I was going to make sure that I was I was prompt and that I was ready to go. And um, mind you, where we were staying was this is like kind of like your grandpa's story. We were four miles up a road from the closest bus stop and Dan had to go to work early in the morning. So I had to try to figure out how to meet up with them by getting to this bus stop that came at a very specific time that would take me to a train. So there's a lot involved with this. This is very precarious. And if anything goes wrong, my day's ruined. Well, no one's answering the phone. So I'm like, Oh, gosh well i'm just gonna show up and hopefully they're they're there where we had talked about so i literally i'm i'm running down this this mountain and i mean it's like super steep and it's a switchbacks all the way down for about four miles and i get to the bus stop with 15 minutes to spare before it's supposed to to show up and uh i'm calling for myself and no one's picking up and somehow i i I guess i realized that my phone had actually started to run out of batteries like maybe i didn't charge it the night before which is very uncharacteristic but either way like my my phone's about to die so i'm starting to get a little worried because now i've got to go back uphill four miles and that's even if i can find the house where i was staying so i was like really really hoping i'd get a hold of these guys well nobody picks up their phone and i'm just like getting pretty upset the bus never shows up so i can't even get to the train and so i'm sitting there at the bottom of this hill starts raining to make things even crueler there's literally a disc golf course that i can see across the street and i don't even have any discs so i can't even go have a fun (laughs) round while i'm waiting for nothing to happen i don't even know what i'm gonna do at this point and so the day is just like awful it's just a gloomy day and, and i'm just i'm running out of ideas and then it hits me like I'm in New Jersey. What am I doing? Call up the best player in the the last 20 years in the Northeast. And who is that? You're asking me? Yeah. Steve Brinster, baby. Steve Brinster. So I call Steve Brinster. And to my luck, Steve Brinster picks up and he says, hey, man, I'm I'm at work. I can't call. Can I call you back in just a minute? And I look at my phone. I'm at 1%. I said, I don't know. Like my phone might die. Like, I, I don't know. And like, as I'm saying that the phone dies and I'm like, no, he doesn't know where I am. He doesn't know my situation, my predicament or anything. So I, I go across the street. I happen to have my wallet. I buy a phone charger and I charge my phone up 
enough to like, or I, I don't buy a phone charger. I, I'm trying to remember. I'm a little blurry in this detail. I think I used the guy that was working's phone charger to charge my phone for like 1% just so I could get the guy, so I can get Steve's number. I get his number long enough to use the guy's phone that works there to call Steve. He picks up again and he's like, he has time to talk now. So he's like, hey, where are you? Uh, what do you need? And I tell him the whole story. And I'm just like, dude, can you help me in some way? Like, even if you just picked me up and drove me up the mountain, or if we played disc golf or something like something to cheer my spirits, because it's been a pretty crappy day. He's like, I got you, Germ. Tonight, there's a birdie pot going on um, at um, at our course. And I, I, I cannot believe I don't remember the name of the course, but it's like the sweet course that's in like New York, New Jersey area that he plays all the time. Um, I know it's not called Skylands. Is it called Warwick? But Warwick Park. Thank you. Yes, it is called Warwick Park. Um, so he's like, we got we got birdie pot doubles at Warwick, and the birdie pot hasn't been hit for two years. And I was like, ooh, what is that? Tell me more. Uh, have you heard of birdie pot before, Nate? Yes. Okay, so for the viewers out there who aren't familiar with what it is, uh, birdie pot is where... Um, they roll a 20 sided die uh, until they get five random numbers, one through 18. And those are, those are the birdie pot holes. If you and your partner birdie these five randomly selected holes and no one else in the field, this is very important. No one else in the field can all can birdie those holes as well. You'll win the entire birdie pot. And I was like, dude, that sounds amazing. Like Warwick park, disc golf, Steve Brinster, Northeast, like, dude, that sounds like so much fun. So Steve picks me up and we go to the course and I get randomly selected with, uh, um, I'll, I'll be nice and not, uh, a chucker. Okay. This guy, uh, was, was out there to have a good time. I'll put it that what, way. What, where and, are your uh, discs? Well, we drove back up to Dan's house. Okay. We got okay. my discs. Okay. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. with you. I skipped that part. So we went, got my discs, went to the park and I get selected with, uh, this guy, um, and we were playing and the first hole uh he throws a pretty bad drive and my drive's like 50 feet short so i'm like ah it looks like we're probably gonna be out of the birdie pot he misses and i make it i'm like oh cool we're still in it same thing happens for the next two or three birdie pot holes where like we both kind of struggle with our drives but i ended up making a nice long jump putt so i was kind of thinking okay this is kind of amazing was ha happening right now um the fourth birdie putt hole i remember parking it and just feeling like dude i am playing so well today like this is gonna happen oh my gosh and we've so we finally get around to the last birdie putt hole and let me Paul, how much you, money is on the line here um at this time is about a million dollars to me but okay, i think perfect. the actual human human dollars it was like six or seven hundred dollars that's a, that's plenty so that, it, okay i'm i'm invested yeah, it, i am invested here it, tell me tell me more it, it's it it's it's important to know from the beginning i should have mentioned that so so we you know a lot of money okay because I, I remember i i don't have a tour vehicle i'm literally going from place to place and i am like totally at the mercy of like who can help me with what which was not a good place to be it just was where i was at that time i was not making money playing disc golf and 600 bucks on line was a pretty big deal so let's let's go back to the hole right before the the final birdie pop hole my partner 
<laughs> I don't I don't think he was drunk, but I do remember he fell down a lot. And <laughs> he had a he had a putt from about 35 feet that um he jump putted and I think he just airballed so hard and he subsequently or just like at the same time that the disc was like three feet right of the basket just tripped over a root and just fell down and like looked up he's like i guess i missed it and it was just hilarious and then you know like i just i was in a really good mood because this guy was really funny he was fun to play with and he kept falling which was funny to me also so (laughs) so here we are final hole uh birdie putt hole and i'm looking at it and i'm like oh my god it's the easiest hole in the course it was 285 feet. And for Warwick, it was a pretty wide open hole. Like it was in the woods, but like not a tight wooded hole. And I think at that time in my career, if you could have put any person in the world, if you could have said, hey, Jeremy, the aliens are going to destroy the planet if you, if, if you can't put someone on this tee pad and birdie it right now. I would have put myself on the line right there in that spot. Cause that was like my money distance with a, just a flick ESP buzz, ride the basket and call it a day. And so I'm looking at, it, I'm like, well, this is my bread and butter. We just got $600 richer score. Um, so my partner throws his tee shot. I'm pretty sure he fell and like just, just shanked <laughs> it straight into the ground. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, okay, now there's a little bit of pressure on line now. Cause like, <sighs> I okay I still think that I'm pretty confident with this so here we go and then I like sort of shank it like I'm like pretty far right like 45 feet right which is just not acceptable for me or anyone at this time so I've already seen what's going to happen in front of my eyes before we even get to lie my uh my partner is going to probably miss his putt and I'm going to have to make this putt with all the with everything on the line Okay, $700, $600. Partner gets up to the putt, and I'm already like kind of my hands are kind of shaking a little bit. He jump putts, and sure enough, dude falls straight on his face, but the disc hits the front rim, jumps up, lands on the rim, weeble wobbles, and falls in. Yes. And so I just remember throwing my putters up in the air like like we had just won the Super Bowl. I chased him. I picked him up off the ground. We were just dancing in the spot and like just in the middle of the round, you know, everyone's playing disc golf all over the course. I just started screaming, Bernie Pie! Woo! Just freaking out, man. And it was just. I'm imagining that famous video where the fan makes the half court shot and LeBron comes and tackles him. Yes, that's what it was. Dude. It has to be a lot like that. <laughs> and also, the- I just have to say, my God, can you spin a yarn? What a story. <laughs> I mean, it was it was definitely like the best rags the riches day. I mean, that day started off so crummy and it ended up being so much fun. And we went out and celebrated that night. And Brinster was kind of a little bit pissed because he'd been going out to league for years trying to get the birdie pot. And the first day I come out there, I got it. And so <laughs> he worked in a deal where if, like right before the round started, he's like, if you end up hitting the birdie pot, you got to give me a hundred dollar finder's fee. And I was like, okay, fine. I'm, I'm not going to get the birdie spot. And then I did. So I gave him a hundred bucks. So. <laughs> nice. 
It was a, so after it, you paid off Brinster and went out and celebrated, you were back to nothing again, right? Yeah, well, you know, it was worth it for the story. So, but he had it. But two more hats. I mean, two more hats isn't nothing. <laughs> yes, full circle. You know what, Jerm? When when we're old and retired, memories will be our currency, that and you will be so rich. Beautiful. I would, I would be one of the richest <laughs> in the world. Oh my gosh! There you go. That that is awesome. Yeah, I, I love how you explained it as as being basically worth a million dollars to you oh, at dude, that at that point in your life. It it reminds me a little bit of the old Lee Trevino quote. Um, you know that pressure is when you're playing for five dollars a hole with two bucks in your pocket. Yeah, Dang, I never heard that before. I like that. Yeah, yeah, and and I imagine he's he's probably done that a time or two. So yeah, well, I guess. That, the gentleman that asked that question certainly got his money's worth on today's story from Big Germ. That's that's a fact. Yes. So, um, Germ, let me ask you. We asked Nate. We talked about this a little bit uh, last week with Nate. What are you uh, What are you watching on TV? You binging anything on Netflix? Yeah, we finished Netflix last week. Um, and <laughs> congratulations. We're eighty percent through Hulu and uh, HBO Max, so we're we're definitely getting through it pretty. He's good. seen it. If you've if you've seen it, he's seen it. Yeah, we're, we're, um, I actually am one of the few people that has not seen Queen's Gambit yet. Uh, Jules has already seen it, so I I need to catch up on that. But um, we're watching his Dark Materials. Um, we are watching, um, gosh, we're watching so many things. It's hard to actually like recall everything because there's so many good things on right now. Um, but yeah. It, you can bet that if it's a good show on TV right now, I'm 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 I'm, I'm there. All right, so yeah, you're uh, you're streaming, you're watching things. Hey guys, streaming. Netflix. That's uh, get at Jeremy Colling. I mean, he's he's putting it out there for you right now. That could you could be a sponsor for them with that. With that <laughs> you finished Netflix. Yeah, I mean, that's, who that's would know impressive. about Netflix if it weren't for my endorsement? That's what I've always been. Saying. Yeah, for sure. It's like okay. a, it's one of those things that brand awareness is a real problem for Netflix. <laughs> Oh, Mandalorian. That's another one that I'm definitely pumped about every week. Yeah, you got to be there. Every Friday. It's This is the way. Man. I've never seen one it. second of it. Oh. Really? Get in there. One second. What a nerd. Get you in haven't there, seen man. the Karate Kid. Germ, Germ, have you ever seen the Karate Kid? The original or the new remake? Well, the original. Let's start with. Well, I mean, wax on, wax off with that comment. Why don't you just take it some <laughs> Yeah, not, not, not Nate. Nate's never seen it. <sighs> well... Nate's kind of like the Mr. Miyagi. Like he's he's more of a wisdom teacher than. Uh, <laughs> I'm not surprised to hear that. I was. I was real surprised. No, that is surprising. It's disappointing as well. But you know, you can't have everything. I guess. <laughs> well, after COVID, when you guys have your first sleepover, make sure that uh, you you rent the have have mom and dad take you to Blockbuster and get the Karate Kid and. Nate will be able to catch up on it. I'm, I'm there. Let's do it. And guys, Nate and I would really appreciate it if you guys supported our sponsors, our great friends, Fisher Disc Golf. Check them out on Facebook at the Fisher Disc Golf page for the Mystery Stacks giveaway on Tuesdays and Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. FisherDiscGolf.com, code RUNIT10. I think there's still a few of those holiday mystery boxes left. 
head over to fisherdiscgolf.com and check these boxes out. They're just jam-packed with goodies. And of course, my buddy Eric and his crew over at Tree Direction Disc Golf doing amazing things for the sport and for the environment. Give them a follow on Instagram, Tree Direction underscore Disc Golf. And uh, they're on Facebook at Tree Direction. And coming soon is treedirectiondiscgolf.com with some awesome apparel. Guys, thanks for your support of the show. And uh, everybody listening, go ahead and check them out. All right. Well, hey, I think this has been uh, an awesome episode. And uh, Jeremy, it was uh, awesome chatting with you. Nate, how did it feel to, to have the band back together again? Oh, it's amazing. I mean, I knew this was going to be a long episode. You know, my man can talk. I love him for it. The story was incredible. I feel like I was already thinking who's going to be the next guest. I just want to have Jeremy be, the, be on the guest again. But uh, but we'll, we have we have to have you back, Jeremy. It was too fun. Uh, definitely miss working with you, miss hanging out with you, and uh, looking forward to a return to normalcy in 2021. Dude, it, it, it will definitely have to happen again soon. I, I really appreciate having me on the show and and having the laughs. And, uh, you know, anyone that's uh, got through the whole episode deserves a gold star. I know that I can ramble on a, a bit, but at least you got to hear Nate tell some good stories too. So, um, no, it was a, it was a lot of fun and I really do appreciate it. And gosh, I, I really hope that things kind of level themselves out in this, this upcoming year. I'd like to work again with you in the booth, man. Let's do it. Tune and tune in next week for when I tell another story about crashing Paul's RV. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, Jeremy. I'm just, uh, I'm keeping them warmed up and, and fresh behind the mic. So you guys can get back to, to doing what you're doing. Uh, anything that you want to, you want to plug? What are your social medias, websites, anything that the fans can follow to know what's going on in your life? Um, you know, I, I just think that if anybody just, if they want to uh, follow me on Instagram, that's basically my main social media platform. Now um, go follow me on uh, Instagram at big germ DG. And um, I have a, a fun stamp right now on at another round disc golf shop. Um, one of the local disc golf, well, actually the local disc golf shop here in Charlotte. Um, we did a run, just a silly little stamp called the jingle germ where I'm dressed up like Santa Claus throwing a sidearm present to who knows who and um but it's a it's a fun thing that we did a little collaboration with uh infinite discs so if you want a, a fun holiday themed disc from infinite discs and uh to support me a little bit go to another round disc golf and um and check them out they're uh, it's a great disc golf shop some of the greatest guys i've ever met in my life they're just awesome business people they really have the community's best interests in their hearts and um they're doing good things for the for the local area down here in charlotte north carolina so check out another round and um yeah that, that's that's about it for me awesome man well uh, again it was awesome having you on here and uh like nate said i, I can't wait to have you back on again so, do you you want to you want to come over and play with us again sometime germ <laughs> yeah i'd love to man that'd be great <laughs> Okay, awesome. Well, uh, guys, until next time, I'm Jared Orr. He's Nate Sexton. And remember, when everybody else is laying it up. We're running it, baby.